Catholic commentary. Spiritual warfare. Stay ready so you don't have to get ready. Jesus 911. Jesus 911 Friday show. My name is Jesse Romero. My beloved wife, Anita Romero, is not here today. She's uh, attending a funeral of a cousin, of a family member. And uh, she's out there doing her Christian duties by praying for uh, the dead and trying to evangelize her family as well. So uh, she'll be back next Friday. But hey, remember, this is the month of October. Uh, let's remember, let's join together every single day in praying the most holy rosary. It is so important that we as Catholics uh, heed the Fatima message by praying the Holy Rosary every single day. Today I'm going to do a deep dive on suicide. <clears throat> the question that I'm going to answer is suicide, is it just mental illness or can it be diabolical? That's the question we're going to seek to answer. And I say that because I think our U.S. bishops have admitted in the past that during the sexual scandals, they mishandled many of the cases because they admit, the USCCB admitted that they mishandled the sexual crisis abuse in the church back in 2002, the summer of shame, by leaning on the advice of psychologists and psychiatrists and not on theology, not on penance and prayer and sacraments and monastic practices. So as a result, the church suffered disastrous effects in the way it mishandled the, the clergy sexual abuse crisis. And the bishops relied more on the therapeutic techniques of psychology and psychiatry instead of bringing those clergy back to a monastic, ascetical, well-ordered prayer life of penance and self-sacrifice. So is psychology a friend or a foe? Let me go back a couple of decades. There was a psychologist, born and raised Catholic, but he became a secular humanist. His name was Dr. William Colson. He was a close friend of the infamous Carl Rogers. Together, they developed values clarification, which promotes the idea that there are no absolutes, no right or wrong answers, that reality is a matter of perception, not a matter of standards, and values pass from generation to generation. So in other words, William Rogers, and William Colson, excuse me, and Carl Rogers, these two psychologists back in the 60s and 70s, they began promoting the notion that all beliefs are equally valid, especially if the subject is human sexuality. So once Dr. Colson reconverted back to his Catholic faith, he explained in many lectures how pressures from homosexual activists, Planned Parenthood, and other special interest groups kept this approach to education alive in Catholic schools, even though he admitted that it's a failure. And Dr. Colson says that millions of dollars are poured into these non-directed courses in sex education that promote sin, premarital sex, homosexuality, and other attacks on the family that the magisterium of the church has clearly addressed as wrong. And so he went on a, he went on a, on a crusade 
trying to undo the damage that he did through psychology around the country, him and Carl Rogers, uh, William Colson, Dr. Colson, reconverted back to the faith, and uh, he spent the rest of his life trying to undo the damage that he did. But again, as a result of the infiltration of psychology in Catholic education, we've painfully watched the destruction of Catholic education. And again, I'm going to go back and say that the USCCB admitted that the result that the church suffered such disastrous effects in the way it mishandled the sexual abuse crisis in 2002 is because they were relying on psychology and psychiatry and not on the church. Let's not forget that the soft sciences, sociology, psychiatry, and psychology, Father Mitch Pacwa says in the video, A Wolf in Sheep's Clothing, he says, these three disciplines, the soft sciences, sociology, psychology, and psychiatry, were born as a result of the French Revolution, which promoted an anti-supernatural bias, which says that now everything has a natural solution and a rational answer. Now, psychology is good if it's fused or interfaced with Thomistic philosophy, like Father Ripperger does. And many other people, Dr. Scott Sullivan, many other people, Taylor Marshall, they'll fuse good psychology with Thomistic philosophy. You'll also find that, you know, Dr. G.C. Dillsaver, he's got several videos on, on Church Militant on this topic. So when you interface Thomistic philosophy with psychology... Now you got a proper understanding of the human person. You have a proper anthropology, which allows him to develop this discipline. Because let's not forget, man is a composite of body and soul. But mental health alone, these are atheistic systems. Mental health rejects man as having a soul. Mental health will never be fully effective because you can't image the soul on an MRI. Two popes, Pius XII and John Paul II have warned the mental health industry that they need to have a proper anthropology of the human person in order to properly help the human person. Catholics have been infiltrated by the secular mental health industry and the current mental health system denies God's grace and free will. The rejection of the immortal soul is fundamentally is the fundamental error in the mental health industry. Mental health is all based on external behavior characteristics. Again, the current mental health industry denies God's grace and free will. The modern DSM, Diagnostic Statistical Manual, has seven different expressions of gender. (laughs) A person is said to have a mental disorder while he is not thinking or acting in a right manner. The American Psychological Association has been lobbying for abortion and they've also removed homosexuality as a mental illness. So what does the word psych mean? P-S-Y-C-H-E. It means soul. Suke. Soul in Greek. Psychology means the study of the soul. But that's the last thing that they do. (laughs) Modern psychology denies the human soul. But psychology actually means the study of the soul. Psychiatry means the treatment of the soul. Again, psychiatry, modern psychiatry, just treats people like a bunch of composite body parts and protoplasm and 
protons, neutrons, and, and, and electrons traveling at the speed of life, slamming together. They don't treat the person as a soul, as a rational soul. Psychology has infiltrated the Catholic Church all the way to the bishops. Remember, when we talk about mental, that's the intersection of the brain and the soul. And the mental health industry, make no bones about it, it's controlled by the state, heavily influenced by insurance and big pharma. Modern mental health sees a human person as a biological soulless entity. So why am I bringing all this up? Well, I'll tell you why. I'm a little bit worried. We got a new bishop here in the Diocese of Phoenix. <clears throat> I know he's been busy. I plan on meeting him. And I wish him well. And I pray for him every day in the Mass and in the Rosary. And Bishop John Dolan, one of the things that I've noticed about him, in fact, here's a few articles. He really leans heavily on psychology and psychiatry, mental health altogether. Let me share with you what Bishop Dolan speaking on ABC Channel 15 about his new Catholic mental health ministry. He said this, in an exclusive interview with ABC 15, Bishop John Dolan with the Roman Catholic Diocese of Phoenix spoke out about plans to open up a mental health ministry. He says it's a ray of hope for more than a million Catholics who call Arizona home. He says, quote, we are now establishing an office for the Catholic Mental Health Ministry in the Diocese of Phoenix. That's big. That's huge, responded uh, you know, Bishop Dolan. It would be a first in Arizona. And one Bishop Dolan says is going to be life-changing for many throughout the state. Close quote. Again, I just would prefer that Bishop Dolan would focus more on the spiritual. He's a successor of the apostles. He's not a successor of Freud or Darwin or Nietzsche. He's a successor of the apostles. And again, psychology, psychiatry, and sociology, this comes from the French Revolution. This is a, it has an anti-supernatural bent. And so, Bishop Dolan, he has, he has big plans for Phoenix, but not in the area of spirituality so much, in the area of therapy, of mental health. And so this is what I want to talk about because he's made some statements about mental health. And we know that there's a rash of suicides right now around the country as a result of the COVID-19 lockdowns, as a result of transgenderism, as a result of LGBT, as a result of people using uh, fentanyl and mar medical marijuana and stuff. There's just a rash of suicides right now. Bishop Dolan says this. Dolan has guidance for people assisting loved ones who have experienced death by suicide. He said, number one, first refrain from speculating about whether a soul is in heaven or in hell. That's good advice. He goes, that's not our call. He said, there's never a good time to speak of that. Jesus 911. We'll be talking about uh, suicide. Is it just mental illness or can it be diabolical? Well, We'll see what some of the exorcists say about this. We'll be right back.
suicide? Is it just mental illness or can it be diabolical? I think too many, uh, too many times prelates in our church, bishops and priests, they always seek the recourse to the natural psychology, psychiatry, sociology, and they never think that things can be diabolical. Again, once again, uh, those three soft scientists come from the French Revolution. They come from uh, the enemies of the church. So, Bishop Dolan, the new bishop of the Phoenix Diocese, here's what he said. I'm reading an article. He says, uh, talking about suicide, there's never a good time to speak of that. Second, don't try to arm, be an armchair psychologist attempting to diagnose a deceased one's mental disorder. He goes, that's not what people want to hear. He said rather that you say that you are praying with them, are there for them, or you love them, he suggests. And don't over-spiritualize the death by suggesting that the person was possessed by a demon. Or that their death could have been prevented had they attended church. Now, I agree with him. You shouldn't tell somebody whose family member dies, you know what, your family member was possessed by a demon, that's why he killed himself. Um, yeah, that's, those aren't the right words to say at that, at, at that time. Probably never right to say them. But we're going to look at the fact what the experts say. Can demons, can demons move a person to commit suicide? Absolutely, yes. The Bishop Dolan advises in this article, he says, the bishop hopes the workshop and the mass will be a gateway for further dialogue for the survivors. The National Suicide Prevention Lifeline, uh, he, he put it, they, they put it down in that article. There's another article here, the magazine of the Diocese of Phoenix, where it says, Pope names new bishop to lead Diocese of Phoenix, a cover story, page 13. It says this, The biggest challenge facing the church today, Bishop Dolan said, is broadening our horizons of the human person. Having worked in the area of mental health ministry, he said, has been an important means of realizing that. In some fashion, we all have a little disorder, and we accept that. Then we're able to communicate with a sense of empathy out of compassion. <clears throat> I would say and start from that level. Bishop Dole noted that mental health ministry is taking off around the nation, and he said he hopes to bring it to, to Phoenix, Arizona. The Diocese of San Diego's website lists a mental health ministry and states that one in four families will experience mental health illnesses and its, accompanying effect, and its accompanying effects. Here's my comment. Mental health comes from not psychology or psychiatry, sociology. It comes from reordering your soul, your behavior, your intellect, your will back to God the Father through Jesus Christ. That's how you restore mental health. Bishop Dolan says in the article, it says, Bishop Dolan said, quote, what, what it does mental health, it opens up a better understanding of the human person. I think we're seeing a development of doctrine of the person as we, as we really tap into the beautiful gift of psychology and psychiatry, close quote. I disagree with my bishop on this one, again, because I go with St. Thomas on this. This is a deficient psychiatry, psychology, and, psych and, and, and sociology. They have a deficient view of the human person. Why? They don't, be, they don't view the human person as a body and soul composite. They don't view the person as a soul. That's the danger. 
All you are is just a bunch of protoplasm and a bunch of, uh, you know, protons, neutrons, and electrons traveling at the speed of life, slamming together, making it matter. That's all you are. But they don't deal with the soul, and that's exactly what the word psych means, soul. I will tell you this. You can read experts on spiritual warfare, and they'll tell you that demons absolutely can impel a person to commit suicide. I mean, that's not somebody you want to tell somebody who's just had a family member commit suicide, but that's a fact. I got an article here from actually, it's, 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 a, it's a liberal website, <laughs> Huff Post, Huffington Post. This is more on the left. The article is called Why We Should Take Demonic Possession Seriously by Betty Stafford. That's a contributor. Betty Stafford is a professor of world religions and she's, she's a specialist in afterlife research. She writes the following. She says this. Um, she's talking about spirits and ghosts here and demonic spirits. She says, these are beings... She's talking about ghosts and demonic spirits. She says, these are beings, all with a history of life on earth, who flee conditions on the other side and navigate earth without the advantage of a physical body. They gravitate, talking about these spirits or these, uh, these intelligent beings called you know, demons, demonic spirits. She says, they gravitate towards people with the same weaknesses they had before their own death. Like parasites, the spirits of men and women who die as drunks, to take but one example, attach themselves to living alcoholics and, and, and drink through them, thus making it doubly difficult for drinkers to reform themselves. So this, this doctor is basically, she's talking about uh, wandering souls. That's what she's talking about, wandering souls. Uh, she goes on to say, Earthbound spirits do serious harm, but they are seldom motivated by hatred for the persons whose, whose lives they help ruin. They just want relief from their own pain. But others, the subject of this essay, are clearly malevolent. These spirits delight in destroying lives. They are like serial killers. Uh, the serial killers of the afterworld. So now she, she's talking about demons. Often they target specific individuals they especially delight in bringing about suicide. So this is a uh, Dr. Betty Stafford, professor of world religions and a specialist in the afterlife, writing for a liberal publication, the, the Huffington Post. And she says, the good doctor says, about demons, they are clearly malevolent. These delight in destroying lives they are the serial killers of the afterworld. Often they target specific individuals. They especially delight in bringing about a suicide. Then she writes, Many schizophrenics who hear voices in their heads urging them to destroy themselves will tell you, if you permit them to speak, that these voices are alien. They don't come from within. As most psychiatrists think, these voices are the ones we should reserve the word demonic for. Okay. So, can a demon 
Can demonic affliction affect the psychological? Of course. Of course the demons go after the psychological. The word psychological, if you look at the dictionary, it means pertaining to the mind or to mental phenomena as the subject matter of psychology or dealing with or affecting the mind especially as a function of awareness, feeling, or motivation. So psychological, it means to deal or pertain or to affect the mind. Father Gabriel Amorth, who is a heavyweight in the field of exorcisms, Father Gabriel Amorth says that this one type of attack by demons is called diabolical obsession. He defines diabolical obsession as mental discomfort. The, the symptoms, he says, includes sudden attacks at times ongoing of obsessive thoughts like pornography, violence, lust, hate, anger, blasphemy, that the victim is unable to free himself. Therefore, the obsessed person lives in a perpetual state of desperation, prostration, and attempts at suicide. Almost always... Obsession influences your dreams. Only an expert and a well-trained eye can identify the differences between obsession and mental illness. Some symptoms are so, are so inconsistent with known illnesses that they point with certainty to the evil origins. I've got a book in my hand that's probably the magnum opus when it comes to demonic possession. The book is called Diabolical Influence by Father Chad Ripperger, who has been an exorcist for 16 years. He's a Thomist by training, a seminary professor, and he's been an, an, uh, an exorcist for 16 years. By the way, every Wednesday, I have one of his team members on with me, Kyle Clement and Dr. Dan Schneider. They're, they're part of his team his exorcism team. So if you want to hear high-level uh, spiritual warfare, tune in on Wednesdays as well. But Father Ripperger says in his book on page 255 regarding suicide, here's what he says. <clears throat> I found this, uh, excuse me, 252, not 255, 252. He says, quote, in certain forms of oppression, especially those which are very high forms of oppression, they can begin to take on the characteristics of possession without the person being possessed. In these cases, the person actually hears the demons chattering or talking to them, suggesting all sorts of things that are disordered spiritually, psychologically, or physically. For instance, telling them that God does not love them, that they should commit suicide, telling them that nobody loves them or that others do not want do not want to be around them, recounting their true defects or imagery defects, etc. So notice, demons will, will talk to you. You can actually hear the demons chattering and talking to you, and they will push you towards suicide. Page 252 of Father's book. Again, I don't know if Bishop Dolan just made that comment, you know, made that a flippant comment when he said, uh, <clears throat> When he said, 
don't over-spiritualize suicide, the death by suggesting that the person was possessed by a demon or that their death could have been prevented had they attended church. Now, of course, you would not want to say something like that to somebody whose family member just passed away. But I can tell you two things where Bishop Dolan, he he made a misstep. Demons do. I've got the book here. And I'm going to quote to you several, several passages. That's exactly what demons do. Demons push a person's human behavior to commit suicide. And secondly, Bishop Dolan had mentioned that, uh, you know, don't tell the family that they, they could have prevented the suicide had they attended church. Of course, it's too late to say it at that point. But that is, in fact, a true statement. There are studies that say Catholics that go to Mass versus Catholics that don't go to Mass... Catholics that don't go to Mass are four times more likely to commit suicide. Those are doctoral studies. We'll be right back. Stick around. I'm just looking at uh, some research. Catholics who attend Mass every week are four times less likely to commit suicide. I'm going to read that again. Catholics who attend Mass every week are four times less likely to commit suicide. This is important because, once again, I think a lot of our bishops have placed too much trust in the soft sciences that come from Freemasonry or from that come from the French Revolution, which is uh, sociology, psychiatry, and psychology. These are atheistic systems. All of these systems uh, look at the human person, not like St. Thomas, a body-soul composite. They look at the human person as nothing but chemicals slammed together in, with protoplasm and electrons, protons, and neutrons. Let's look at page 279 of Father Ripperger's book. It's called Diabolical Influence. This book is the locus classicus when it comes to anything spiritual warfare. This is, uh, and he's, and I'm looking at everything that he writes about in relation to demons and suicide. Again, because Bishop Dolan, the, the, the comment he made, he says, don't suggest to a person whose family member has committed suicide that the person was possessed by a demon. Now, of course, you shouldn't say that. But in fact, it could be true. But that's not something you want to say to them. Offer them your prayers, your love, your masses, your sympathy, your warmth. But but the fact is, demons do cause people to commit suicide. That's a fact. On page 279, Father Ripperger writes this. The demons can also move the emotions, which means that they can give the person a feeling of guilt in the sense that emotionally, the person feels bad about what he has done, whether he's really guilty or not. This understanding that the demons can make a person feel guilty for something that he did not do is a common problem among those who have diabolical obsession and possession. The demons will often drive this in order to make the individual think that he is guilty so that he becomes weakened in the, pro- in the process. Uh, <clears throat> and then he, Father points out, in fact, obsessions of solitude... And inferiority prepare the ground for possession. 
Obsessions of guilt determine it. The obsessive idea that one has been guilty of a fault must suffer for it can exist altogether apart from any fault known to the intellect. And, indeed, when the feeling of guilt becomes an obsession, it paves the way for, for further faults into the same sins. It may be held, indeed, that the obsession itself becomes part of the temptation by ceaselessly filling the mind with the remembrance of the sin, thus weakening it and draining its resistance. Unable to endure this obsessive idea and believing himself to be damned, the person will go through the usual sequence. His guilt feeling will be followed by attempts at self-punishment and trying to commit suicide. Page 280. Father Ripperger writes, and this is all on demons and suicide. Okay. Demons are looking to see that the person becomes weakened through the process of giving into obsessing about the feeling of guilt. Even though there's no real guilt, this makes it more difficult for the person to resist the temptations or the actual rumination process itself being driven by a demon. It easily leads to despair and self-punishment or at least the idea that he should be punished. Here it is. The ultimate goal in possession for those who obsess and suicide is the demonic goal for both. So, what are demons? What's their ultimate goal? Is possession and suicide. Father says, those who suffer this double aspect of diabolical obsession will then begin to develop an entrenched self-loathing in which they only see themselves as bad. This, of course, is against, is, is against charity in which one must love oneself properly, according to God, but the self-loathing continues to drive the personal harm and self-hatred. At times, the self-loathing and self-hatred are the product of the rumination over one's emotional guilt, which is not real. At other times, demons can simply cause a person to have a kind of self-loathing so that whenever he imagines himself, the perspective that he puts on, that he puts on an image in the imagination is always negative or bad. Page 292 of Father Ripperger's book. It's called diabolical influence it's a it's an 800 page book it's written for catholic priests actually it's not even for lay people this is written for exorcists father says in in describing diabolical obsession he goes he makes the following observations symptoms include sudden attacks at times ongoing of obsessive thoughts sometimes even rationally absurd but of such nature that the victim is unable to free himself Therefore, the obsessed person lives in a perpetual state of prostration, desperation, and attempts at suicide. Almost always, obsession influences dreams. Some people will say that this is evidence of mental illness requiring the services of, of a psychiatrist or a psychologist. The same could be said of all other forms of demonic phenomena. Some symptoms, however, are so inconsistent with known illnesses that they point with certainty to their evil origins. Only an expert... And well-trained eye can identify the crucial differences. So there are several things here in this quote that should be observed. The first is that the person feels like he's in a perpetual state of prostration, desperation, and even at times, temptations to suicide. Even when the individual is not in these perpetual states, when he's in the state of when when he is in the state of crisis or diabolic attack, the demon will give him the impression that it is, cons it is constant 
and that he just cannot seem to ever, ever get out from underneath it, even though it is only reoccurring on occasion. Page 300. We're looking at all Father Ripperger's, uh, his, all everything that he says in his book, Diabolical Influence, an 800-page book written for exorcists, two exorc- by an exorcist, two exorcists. This is going to be the sine qua non of Catholic of Catholic spiritual warfare, the indispensable book, the indispensable element, the magnum opus of all Catholic books on exorcism. I, I'm going to tell you this, I'm putting it out there. This book will one day make Father Chad Ripperger a doctor of the church. Nobody's written an 800-page book on spiritual warfare and exorcism like he has. Nobody, nobody, not even close. This puts Father Ripperger in a category all by himself, all by himself. So page 300, he writes, and we're looking at all his entries on suicide and the diabolical. Suicide and the diabolical. That's what we're looking at. Because again, a lot of our bishops, they'll say, oh, no, no, no. We don't need an exorcist in our diocese. Just send him to a psychiatrist. Send the person to a psychologist. Send him to a therapist. Many of our bishops and priests, they lean more on the secular, uh, you know, uh, soft sciences that, that are based on atheism. They're based on Carl Rogers, Carl, uh, Charles Darwin, uh, Nietzsche. They're based on atheistic thought. They're based on a faulty understanding of the human person. And many of our bishops and priests say, oh no, t- send them to a therapist or a psychiatrist or psychologist. No. We need to train our priests in the old monastic, in the old monastic ways of how to do minor exorcisms. Every Catholic priest... And of course, then you have the ones that will do the solemn exorcisms, the major exorcism with, with the permission of the bishop. That's, that's the defense that we need in the church. We need to, we need to arm up, you know, or armor up, should I say. We need to armor up as a church, and we're blowing it. Pope Benedict XVI says that all dioceses should have an exorcist. Not every diocese has an exorcist. So Father says on page 300, in weaker individuals, the goal of the demons is to get the person to commit suicide. There it is. This is done in order so that the person will be under, under, him, under him in hell since he followed his lead or subjected himself to him by following his inclination interiorly to commit suicide. At times, the inclination from the diabolical obsession to suicide can be so powerful that the person may end up taking his own life. But the voluntariness of it is mixed at best. It should not be assumed, however, that just because a demon is diabolically obsessing someone in, in the committing of suicide, he therefore did not commit the sin mortally, subjectively speaking. In other words, the person's free will is still engaged. You can't blame just a demon. Say, oh, the person killed himself because he was possessed. The person still has free will. And so the person is morally culpable. If he, if, uh, if, if he committed suicide with a... Uh, with, by his own free will, having, uh, you know, understood the gravity of that offense, that it's a, a sin that offends God, you know, uh, and knowing that it's a grave offense and doing it with full knowledge and deliberate consent to the will. That's a mortal sin. Page 320, Father Ripperger says this about possession and suicide. He says this. Possession, which indicates that something is, is one's own, can be distinct from being under one's own control. Furthermore, there's a difference between holding a thing or occupying it and actually owning it. Ownership is a moral claim or right in relation to a thing 
And in the strict sense, demons do not have ownership over the individual. This flows from three facts. Number one, ultimately we're, we're all property of God and do not even possess our own body in the sense that our own body is not our own. This has been a constant teaching in the philosophical as well as the moral tradition of the church, especially in relationship to the discussion of suicide. This becomes abundantly clear in session when an exorcist will compel the demons to admit that one's personal, that, that the person ultimately belongs to Christ and not to them. Number two, we have rights over our bodies insofar as we are, we are the custodians of our bodies and therefore must render an obligation to God and others in relationship to our bodies. Human beings, while they do not own their bodies, do have rights over them by virtue of the natural law. This is why the possessed has the right to command the demons to leave, since the right over the person's body is the effect of the natural law. It is also conditioned or determined by the natural law. And during sessions of exorcism, demons will claim that they have a right to be there. But these statements are based on an, on an inaccuracy, as the demons are trying to deceive both the exorcist and the possessed so that they can claim that they have a right to remain there. Talking about suicide and the diabolical, we'll be right back. They interface. Possession looks a lot like mental insanity, and mental insanity looks a lot like possession. We'll be right back. Jesus 911, we are back. My wife is out visiting, evangelizing family members. Uh, one of her cousins uh, passed away, or her cousin's husband. Uh, excuse me, niece's husband. And so, I, for, I even forget his name. I'm so bad with names. Uh, we'll pray for him right now. Lord, you know his name. You know who it is that passed away. Uh, Renee's husband. Eternal rest grant unto him, O Lord, and let your perpetual light shine upon him. May his soul rest in peace. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. He's a Protestant. One of those guys, one saved, always saved, and just hope God has mercy on his soul. You know, typical ex-Catholics that get caught up in the Protestants, uh, you know, say the sinner's prayer, one saved, always saved, and I'm going to heaven when I die. He lived a wretched life, though. Uh, he, was a meth, he was a meth head for 20 years. Uh, in and out of his uh, wife's life and, and just, uh, you know, not a real good person. God have mercy on him. Okay, so we're talking about <clears throat> we're talking about suicide and and the diabolical. Do they interface? Again, there's a book called True or False Possession. It's written by another another doctor. I forget his name. Uh, starts with an L. From uh, Sophia Press, uh, and in there the doctor writes. He's a psychologist. He's but he's a Catholic, a practicing Catholic. He says this: possession looks a lot like mental insanity. And mental insanity looks a lot like possession. Dr. Margaret Schleintz, she's, all, she's an instructor at the Pope Leo XIII Institute for Exorcist. She says that obsession, demonic obsession, is undesirable, obtrusive thoughts by demons in your mind. Again, so I know 
when somebody dies, you should never go up to them and say, oh, your family member, your husband committed suicide. I think he was possessed. That's not what you want to say. You want keep your mouth shut. Don't say anything. Uh, you know, offer them your your empathy, mass cards, rosary, give them a hug, offer them your love, show, share them with your compassion. But the only thing that I'm saying is that this is a fact. Demons do push people to commit suicide. I mean, this is a fact by one exorcist and one psychologist after another. Here on Father Ripperger on page 591 of his book, he's quoting a, a very famous... He's a Protestant author, I think, Daniel Ryder. And Daniel Ryder wrote a very famous book. It's called Breaking the Circle of Satanic Ritual Abuse. And there he, there he has a lot of stories, a lot of cases. On page 31 of the book, he says this. The other way a satanic altar is formed by is, is by the victim for a number of reasons. For one, the victim will create a personality to carry out terrible tasks of killing or of skinning the sacrifice or if forced to, of having to choose who will be sacrificed. There are other things to be aware of, the satanic altars. Some are programmed, for instance, said, said Mrs. Hector, to commit suicide if the memories start coming up. Close quote. Uh, that's on page uh, 154 of the book. is called Breaking the Circle of Satanic Ritual Abuse by uh, Daniel Ryder. Father Ripperger also says in his book on page 594 of his book, Diabolical Influence, it's, it's, a, it's a book on exorcism and spiritual warfare written for Catholic priests and clergy. I got a copy of mine because um, he, he sent it to me. He likes me. <laughs> We're friends. I'm one of his students. Um, on page 594, he has a list of a lot of disorders that are caused by demons. A lot of these symptoms that are caused by demons. On page 594, here he says, here are some of the behavior indicators of ritual abuse survivors. They include, but are not limited, are not limited to, uh, seeking out any form of pain, self-mutilation, self-destructive behavior, cutting the skin, burning the skin, hitting yourself with fists, objects, headbanging, history of driving the vehicle at high speeds or in a dangerous manner, or physically dangerous locations, seeking out physically abusive relationships, artwork forgery, uh, themes of death, pain, occultism, suicidality, long-standing history of suicide attempts, Obsessive thinking about or planning of suicide, eating disorders, anorexia, bulimia, compulsive overeating, and uh, again, he just he has uh, uh, other things there. These are indicators of satanic ritual abuse. These are indicators of satanic ritual abuse. This is on page five ninety four of Father Ripperger's book. is called <clears throat> It's called Diabolic influence. Diabolic influence. Uh, here he has some other things. Uh, he has here sexual dysfunctions, hypersexuality, sexual perversion, bestiality, 
sadomasochism, rigidity, sense of panic when one becomes the focus of attention. Now, on page 596, Father Chad Ripperger, in his book, Diabolic Influence, again, you heard me say it here, this book is going to make him one day uh, a doctor of the Catholic Church on exorcism. Uh, St. Alphonsus Liguori is a doctor of the Church on on moral theology. St. Thomas Aquinas is a doctor of the Church on, on angels, the angelic doctor. We have different doctors of the Church for different areas in the Catholic faith. I, nobody in 2,000 years has written what Father Ripperger has written in the area of exorcism and spiritual warfare. I think this book and the other ones that he's written, The Science of Mental Health, will launch him into the into the altars of being a doctor of exorcism in the future. Now, of course, he's not. He, if you ask him, he's in a, just, just as crazy. He doesn't know what he's saying. He's just a humble man. He's not going to say that. Page 595 and 596. Here's what Father Ripperger writes. When a victim of SRA works with an exorcist, the victim will find it very difficult at times to work with the exorcist due to the associations that may have been formed in the individual during the, during the sex, uh, satanic ritual abuse. In other words, the cogitative power in the individual will make the associations with the priest based upon the fact that many aspects of the priest and even the ritual of exorcism will be similar to some of the ritualistic, ritualistic aspects of SRA. For example, the fact that the priest wears a cassock and Satanists will sometimes wear a cassock, the use of Latin in both respective rituals, albeit at times the Latin is spoken backwards in Satanism, in order to invert proper order in the Satanic ritual. Also, the use of crucifixes uh, in both rituals, but the Satanists use a crucifix upside down. The exorcist should be careful about approaching the idea of ritual abuse too blatantly or too early since it can cause the individual to become frightened and back away from going to sessions or receiving help. At times, it may be best that the exorcist himself does not suggest that the individual is a victim of SRA. When one, when one notices some symptoms of, of satanic ritual abuse, rather he should send the person to a competent psychologist, uh, no, competent, it's got to be a Catholic Thomistic psychologist, for proper diagnosis and proper broaching of the subject with the individual. Part of the reason can be the fact that if the, poss- that if the possibility of being a victim of SRA is broached without due solicitude or it is not done in the proper manner, it can result in the person struggling with suicidal ideation or even committing suicide, close quote. And here's his last quote on page 739 in his book, Diabolical Influence on Mental Illness and Suicide, page 739. He makes a short little statement here. He says, another common experience of exorcist is the demoniac contacting the exorcist to ask him to pray over him because he is manifesting or under attack. A good exorcist realizes that there's no such thing as an emergency exorcism. While demons can precipitate an emergency, such as health issues or states of psychological mania or strong temptation to suicide, these must be addressed in ways other than by constantly being accessible to the exorcist. So there you have it. What's the point that I was trying to to show? I think it's a huge mistake for us as Catholics to put too much stock on sociology, 
um, psychology and psychiatry. Why? Once again, I'm going to quote Father Mitch Pacwa on on the on the uh, the documentary "A Wolf in Sheep's Clothing." He says this, Father Pacwa quote the soft sciences such as sociology, psychology, psychiatry were born as a result of the French Revolution, which promoted an anti-supernatural bias, which says that now everything has a natural solution and a rational answer. And again, they just deny the supernatural. They hate the Catholic Church. And so, as a Catholic, it's just very dangerous. And the, and the bishops, once again, the bishops admitted this, that they mishandled the 2002 sexual scandal crisis because they were putting all their stock in mental health and, and, and psychiatry and, psych, and psychology, and instead of giving people the proper diagnosis and sending them to a monastery, to an abbey, to a life of prayer and penance. Uh, and some of them just had to get fired. Some of these people, were, again, were just uh, sexual so, so, uh, sociopaths. Some of these people just should have been fired, period. A- end of discussion. But uh, <clears throat> another exorcist by the, by the name of Monsignor Stephen Rossetti, He's one of the exorcists in the Diocese of Washington. He also admits, he also admits that demons, they attack the brain. They attack the brain. In fact, Monsignor Rossetti, the exorcist of Washington, has an article that he wrote. It's called uh, Five Steps for Dealing with Demon Brain. Here's what he says. Here's one of his patients. James is suffering from demonic obsession or demon brain. Every couple of weeks, he goes through a spell in which his in which his thinking is strongly influenced by demons. When this happened, he becomes despairing and suicidal. Did you catch that? Suicidal. That's what demons try to do. So I've already quoted to you three exorcists that demons push human behavior towards suicide. Father Gabriel Amorth, Father Chad Ripperger, Father Stephen Rossetti. Three exorcists all say the same thing. And why do I say this? In the Diocese of Phoenix and in every other diocese, we need less psych- less recourse to psychiatry and psychology and more recourse to priest confession and exorcism. That's a wrap. I'm off to Louisiana. Going to go do some power preaching with Devil Destroying Theology. See you next week. Same Christ time, same Christ channel. God bless you. Keep the faith. <laughs>